Welcome to the ACCP Resident and Fellows Podcast, a podcast for residents by residents. My name is Fasselman Hodge, and I'm currently a PGY2 in emergency medicine at the University of Rochester Medical Center. We will be joined on the show today by Dr. Kaylee Maynard, a PGY2 critical care resident at the University of Rochester Medical Center. And today we'll be discussing the one-hour sepsis bundle. Hi, Kaylee. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. It's great to have you on here. So to get started, what is the proposed one-hour bundle, and how is this different from the three- and six-hour bundle that we're used to? Currently in practice is the 2016 Surviving Sepsis Campaign three- and six-hour bundles. What the three-hour bundle is comprised of is obtaining blood cultures, administering broad-spectrum antimicrobials, obtaining serum lactate, and administering fluid resuscitation with 30 milliliters per kilogram IV crystalloid fluids. The six-hour bundle then builds upon the three-hour bundle and involves retesting serum lactate if the initial lactate is greater than two, reassessing volume status, and applying vasopressors if the mean arterial pressure is persistently less than 65. As of this year, the Surviving Sepsis Campaign proposed a one-hour bundle, which essentially took a lot of these recommendations and reduced the time component down to 60 minutes. In the one-hour bundle, we are to measure the initial serum lactate level, obtain blood cultures before administering broad-spectrum antimicrobial agents, begin rapid administration of 30 milliliters per kilogram IV crystalloid fluids for hypotension or patients with lactate levels of greater than 4, and apply vasopressors if the patient is hypotensive during or after fluid resuscitation to maintain a mean arterial pressure of greater than 65. Empirically looking at that, it just seems like that's a large number of components to try and complete within a 60-minute time frame, knowing that some of the data is not very strong with that. Could you comment on that a little more? Yeah. The proposal to prioritize all of these interventions into a one-hour bundle is controversial because, as you previously mentioned, there is limited evidence to suggest a benefit from this and actually concern that trying to accomplish so many tasks might actually distract from completing interventions associated with a decrease in mortality. So all of these really don't seem like we can complete this within that one-hour time frame. So if we're going to prioritize something, what should it be? Excellent question. Obtaining blood cultures and administering effective broad-spectrum antimicrobial agents within the first hour should be prioritized. Seymour and colleagues recently examined the association between timing of treatment and risk-adjusted mortality from outcomes and treatment data reported to the New York State Department of Health for patients presenting to emergency departments with sepsis or septic shock. Overall, they determined that patients who received all components of the three-hour bundle within three hours had a 1% reduction in mortality compared to patients whose treatment did not meet this time recommendation. Furthermore, Bundle completion between 3 and 12 hours was associated with a 14% higher odds of in-hospital mortality. The mortality benefit from early completion of the three-hour bundle was largely driven by time to antimicrobial administration. Every hour that administration of antimicrobial agents was delayed demonstrated a statistically significant increase in mortality odds. When the effect of other elements of the bundle were analyzed, such as time to fluid resuscitation, a similar association was not appreciated. However, the association of timely antimicrobial administration on decreased mortality is not new evidence and has been previously reported. Kumar and colleagues reported in 2006 that 79.9% of patients survived a hospital discharge when effective antimicrobial agents were administered within one hour of hypotension. Survival subsequently decreased by 7.6% for every hour of effective antimicrobial delay. 
Well, there are some interesting points, as we know that timely antimicrobial administration is the biggest factor that we know of when looking at mortality in sepsis. And when looking at this mortality, we know that CMS and a handful of states have reporting requirements on sepsis-related outcomes. As we move towards a value-based purchasing reimbursement models, how might the one-hour bundle affect hospital reimbursement? Practicing in New York State has actually given us a little bit of insight into how this might be challenging. Currently, state regulations here mandate that hospitals implement evidence-based protocols. Currently, these protocols reflect the three- and six-hour bundle uh, recommendations. Additionally, hospitals must report substance-related treatment and outcomes data that are then used to calculate hospital compare measures. Each hospital is assigned a performance level based on their performance compared to the aggregate data from all of the hospitals. The challenge with this type of reporting is that it does not take into consideration potential confounders such as baseline severity of illness. And we know from working in a large academic medical center that patients that present to these tertiary care centers often have higher acuity of illness at baseline and would therefore have an increased risk of mortality. And if we don't take this into consideration when making comparisons amongst all of healthcare throughout the state or even throughout the country, this could potentially make our outcomes look worse. Future reimbursement models may use a similar method for determining distribution of reimbursement. The challenge to meet the one-hour bundle may result in what appear to be lower bundle compliance rates and could potentially decrease future reimbursement, regardless on if we met all the components in a one-hour bundle actually had any effect on mortality or not. I think those are some really good points, especially seeing as some components of this one-hour bundle, especially this giant fluid resuscitation of 30 mils per kilo, which we know based on uh, current evidence, it may not be appropriate for all patients and being forced to comply with this bundle really can kind of conflict with what is better for the overall care of the patient. Mortality from sepsis and septic shock has remained around 25% despite all the advancements in healthcare and knowledge of the disease state. If the one-hour bundle is not the right tool to decrease mortality, then what do you propose might have a meaningful impact? It's a great question. Developing methods to earlier recognize sepsis and septic shock warrants further research. Jones and colleagues retrospectively evaluated 5,000 patients with sepsis-associated hospitalizations. And this could be sepsis that was present on admission or sepsis that occurred while already hospitalized for another issue. What they found was that sepsis present on admission was associated with a mortality of 14.1%. Patients who developed hospital-acquired sepsis had mortality between 29.2% and 38.6%. The authors suggested that investigating other potential causes for hypotension may delay the diagnosis of sepsis in patients that were already hospitalized. The additional data available may act as a red herring, prompting clinicians to work up differential diagnoses when, in fact, we should be treating their sepsis. Recognizing sepsis earlier leads to earlier treatment, mainly effective antimicrobial therapy. As we previously discussed, reducing the time to effective antimicrobial administration is associated with reducing mortality. So where do you think we stand right now when it comes to sepsis and septic shock? Currently, the Society of Critical Care Medicine and the Surviving Sepsis Campaign have released statements that do not recommend the implementation of the one-hour bundle in the United States at this time. Instead, it's my belief that we should focus on interventions associated with a decrease in mortality, such as earlier recognition of sepsis and septic shock, and prompt administration of, of effective antimicrobial therapy. Going back to that Seymour study, the median time to effective antimicrobial agent administration was 0.95 hours. 
since this was a median time, it showed that almost half the patients had antimicrobial therapy administered in greater than one hour, which really we should be focusing our interventions on how we should decrease that number and provide prompt antimicrobial agents to our patients presenting with sepsis and septic shock. Thank you. I think that's some really good insight in trying to help these patients more instead of trying to incorporate this one-hour bundle. We probably should be focusing more on how can you recognize this and treat this more effectively. We'd like to hear your thoughts too as a listener. What do you think would be more effective? Maybe some strategies to increase recognition or what do you think would be important to incorporate to help decrease mortality with sepsis? I just wanted to thank Kaylee for being here and discussing with us today. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of ACCP Resident and Fellow Podcast, a podcast for residents by residents. For more episodes and other resident and fellow resources, visit our website at accp.com slash resfell. That's accp.com slash R-E-S-F-E-L. And for any of the references for the articles that Kaylee was mentioning today, you can see that in the discussion below. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to an ACCP podcast for residents by residents. Our theme music is titled Jupiter's Smile by the 126ers and is provided through YouTube's free audio library. Please subscribe to the ACCP podcast on iTunes or Google Play to be notified of new episodes.